All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, Whole Shop Motorhomes, and of course, Even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have Stats Master Paul Piercy back again, who's been doing some awesome work creating all the statistical content on MX Vice. How's life? And thanks for joining us after a crazy round in San Francisco. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, that was, uh, there was a lot of crazy, craziness that happened last night. Oh, absolutely. It was absolutely wild. And just, yeah, those old school mutters that was certainly had everyone on their toes. But how was it from a statistical point of view? Yeah, no, I mean, there was some, there's some things that you may not expect. I mean, like Jordan Smith won the main event. Kitchen was actually the one with the fastest lap time. Um, he was actually right at a half a second quicker on his fastest lap time. And then his average lap time was actually over two seconds a lap quicker, his maximum. So it just seems like Levi may have had some, his average lap time was slower, but he had a, he had less of a variance in, you know, in, in between his fast and his slow and, he just had just had some trouble there. RJ was almost five seconds slower than Jordan, four point eight seconds slower on his fastest lap time. So it just you could really tell because because RJ didn't get that great of a start and he you know he went down early on. So that really goes to show just how important those starts are. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important the starts. And yeah, last night sort of definitely sort of reiterated the starts, mate. Definitely crazy. Especially Sexton's. I guess that's probably a good place to start. That jump out of the gate. He was sort of mentioning in the press conference how he just timed it so well. It was really great performance for that. Obviously, really good start for the year for him now. Obviously, uncomfortable in pre-season, struggled with the bike. And he was sort of so grateful for the team for all their hard work to get back on track. So yeah, that was one of those starts, I guess, because he sort of almost went over the bars when he hit a soft spot there. But that was absolutely blistering work out of the gate by him. And just how impressive was Chase Sexton at San Fran, mate? Yeah, I mean, Chase really, really, I, I mean, it all stems from that start. I mean, good Lord. I don't know how, like, I don't think anybody's ever timed a gate that well in the history of motocross or supercross. But um, to start the year out, he's got... Uh, his main event finishes are a third and a first leading the points now. But just like last year, his success is stemming from great starts. I mean, to start this year out, he has an average first lap position of 2.5. Last year in Supercross, when, when he won the, the title, his average start was a 3.58, only bested by Eli Tomac. So, I mean, that's, excuse me, his success is still coming from the same, you know, from the same point of view, his consistency on the starts and just putting himself in good positions every week. Um, looks like Chase also had the fastest lap of the main event. Kenny would have been second, and he was just over half a second slower with Eli third at, at uh, just over nine-tenths slower. So those guys are spread out just a little bit more uh, than normal. Looking back at uh, at Anaheim, I've, I've got those sheets. We, we can go over that in a, in a bit, but they're – they're just so much closer together when it's not, you know, they're not having to face so much adversity with the mud. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a great equaliser, like they say. And it was pretty cool for Tomac, obviously. He had a bit of a reality check for him, I guess, at A1. Not the weekend he wanted, but I guess with expectations, you know, coming off that massive injury, 
you know, he probably needs a bit of time. And I guess this race came at a pretty awesome time for him too. And he really did so well. He was closing in. There was periods where it looked like he might catch Chase. But yeah, your take on Eli, just a really impressive ride. So I guess bounce back after an unsatisfactory A1. It was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, that that stems from the start. And Anaheim won. He didn't ride as well, but his first lap position was 11th. In San Francisco, his first lap position was second. So you... Excuse me, just like everything else, we can correlate it back to the numbers and really, really understand why these guys are having the results they are. Um, when you go back to to the lap times in San Francisco, between the segment times, I mean, it is all over the place. You had Chase Sexton fastest in sector one, uh, Jason Anderson fastest in segment two, Ken Roxon was was fastest in, in segment three, which was the longest segment. And then Jorge Prado was actually the fastest in segment four. So it really, really kind of varied all over the place um, as to which parts of the track the guys were really gelling with. Yeah, that's really cool hearing some of those numbers, mate. Some of them are a little bit surprising and there's a lot of sort of, there's so much chaos. You sort of, some of the riders go under the radar a bit and the stats sort of bring them to light and sort of shine the focus on them where they otherwise might not. So obviously we'll talk about Roxon now. Super cool to see him doing so well after another guy that had a tough A1, which was a bit out of his hands. Actually rode really well, just the result, obviously, due to that early adversity wasn't where it was. But yeah, Ken, he, he was just like, he's so adaptable, like we've discussed, SMX, Motocross, World Supercross, AMA Supercross, he can do it all. You know, so he was saying that he found some really nice lines. You could just see his bike skill, how he was carrying momentum, choosing the right lines. And he was mentioning before A1, they found a pretty good, shock and fork setting so he just looked pretty comfortable and it was also nice for him to share some praise for Shane McElrath obviously two Suzuki's in the top four there and it was pretty cool you obviously a guy that doesn't get all the headlines but good rocks and shone a spotlight on him there mate and yeah it was some pretty heavy mud Kenny was dealing with there would have taken him back to the Europe days for sure but yeah showed his class again didn't he well absolutely and and again it, I think we'd have seen a lot a lot different result from from Kenny at at Anaheim one I mean he got the heat race win there and he was riding really well. And he just had that adversity on lap one. And I mean, he rode great in San Francisco. And, and to your point, two Suzuki's inside the top four. That's, I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me, but it has to be a while since that happened last. Yeah. I think they were mentioning in the press conference, it's probably happened to just a handful of times in the last decade or something. So obviously getting rarer and rarer as time goes on, but those HEP guys are doing a great job there that's for sure sort of bringing Suzuki back into the spotlight and getting a guy like Roxon's just awesome so yeah sort of as we go down the list mate was there any other looks at the numbers obviously a lot of people were hoping for AP to get that first win in the mudder obviously the disaster struck last year when he should have had that main event win but yeah he looked good all day heat race qualifying Plessinger was kind of the man wasn't he he was the favorite heading in if you were a betting man and obviously starts aren't ideal and you get a bad one and it can sort of throw you off but yeah sort of anything to take away from Plessinger's night just from the racing and the numbers yeah it was kind of a bummer not to see him finish off the uh the heat race win I mean it was great for Dylan to get his first 450 heat race win um but it had been really awesome to see maybe AP just kind of continue on that momentum from from being the fastest qualifier if he could have finished off that heat race win maybe his main event would have looked a little bit different to me watching ap ride and it looked honestly to me like he was just trying to he wasn't taking the track as it came to him it kind of seemed like he was trying to force it like he was over like maybe he was just overriding it a little bit trying too hard uh because he had that belief in him that he could win 
And so maybe that's, maybe that's where his difficulties came from. Um, yeah, I really, really thought that he might be able to pull that one off, but I think it was just more of just, just overriding the track and maybe just some wishful thinking on his part. Yeah, maybe he just sort of wanted it so much because, you know, definitely on the cards for him soon. Let's hope he can get it sooner rather than later because he's such a great ambassador for the sport and just the happiness and the personality and the vibe so cool for a guy like him to be doing well. And he has started the season very nicely. He's in good shape. He's happy with the bike, happy with the team. So expecting sort of onwards and upwards from him. And obviously he touched on Ferrandis there. Very impressive start to the season. He's right up there in the championship hunt. A couple of consistent main event finishes. Great form in the heat race, like you were saying. So... How good is it seeing Ferrandis? He seems refreshed, sort of recalibrated his focus, happy on that Honda team, Phoenix Honda. So sort of looking really happy for him. He's got his own sort of deal. He's got the O'Neill, the five gloves, working with people he wants to work with. So any from you there for, with Ferrandis? Yeah, I mean, it's just good to see him with a uh, kind of a new rejuvenated mindset and, and attitude. Um, he, he was just so unhappy with the bike last year. Um, I mean, he started this season out with a fifth and a sixth. And I mean, it, it just really, really is nice to see him kind of get kind of get a second wind underneath him, kind of just really just look rejuvenated, kind of like Kenny did last year, moving to that Suzuki, which is what he said he wanted. He, he was eye, um, eyeballing a program like that. Um, and it, like we touched on earlier, his first 450 heat win, hopefully he can start building, you know, just stacking the building blocks this season and, and build some momentum off of this and start getting some better finishes and, and, and maybe find that consistency that he hasn't had so far in his 450 career. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Another man that's sort of master of consistency in MXGP last year, Jorge Prado, getting that heat win was obviously one of the huge takeaways from the weekend. Probably didn't look like it was on the cards after wealthy qualifying. Obviously, one thing heading into Supercross was probably pretty daunting when the rain came racing it in mud, even though he's obviously very capable, but, yeah, such a cool sort of takeaway from the event, seeing the Spaniard get that, and obviously then backing it up with a seventh in the race. That was pretty impressive night of action, all things considered. So I think he was speaking afterwards. He just said he's really happy about everything, and obviously racing at night was another huge challenge, he admitted. So sort of adjusting everything, I guess, is getting seventh place and a heat win by his second Supercross is extremely impressive, isn't it? Yeah, and the one thing that's kind of surprised me with with Jorge Prado uh, has been his starts and he he did get the whole shot in that heat race and that's how he pulled out to that win but I mean his main event first lap position so far so far this year are a seventh and a ninth and that's just not the Jorge Prado that we know uh, or that we've come to expect um, I mean he's he's getting better he's getting more and more comfortable seems like maybe he's just maybe he's not going full in he's just trying to get his feet wet and just and just learn, um, which which is obviously the right way to go about it. It's just a little bit odd not seeing him start up front, like we know, like we know he can do and what he's accustomed to doing. But it was nice to see him get that heat win. That was awesome. Yeah. So he's obviously got one more left, and then he'll be heading back to Europe. So all eyes will be on that one as well. And just before we touch on some other guys, obviously Barsha. Just a massive effort. He's been sick, really bad illness all week. So couldn't train or really ride. And even in the hospital, it was that bad. So valiant effort by him, brave getting out of the LCQ. He was giving it his all. And on a weekend, it was really all about survival, wasn't it, mate? That was kind of the aim of the game. So to sort of just get any points was an impressive effort for Barsha, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, it sounded like he was really, really sick. And 
Uh, he had that viral infection with a rash all over his body. And it really was a valiant effort to to go out there and get get some points. That was like a, a fight to the death between him and Cade Clayson in the LCQ. I mean, those two were just going back and forth. That was kind of a that's two weeks in a row now that Cade Clayson mm. is fighting with factory guys to, to get out of the LCQ. It's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, obviously, yeah, you look at down the list and, yeah, the Lawrence brothers, obviously not what they'd expect, but I guess with the rain and the situations and some falls and stuff, ninth and 10th for them, Jet 9th, Hunter 10th. So pretty tough weekend for them, mate, obviously not what they expected, but, yeah, just to get through with points and stay healthy and move on to the next one and hope there's not so much rain is ideal for them, mate. But, yeah, AC getting 8th, which is a pretty good bounce back as well. He's obviously got some well-documented health issues going on there, so... Any takeaways from those guys, AC and the Lawrence brothers, for you too? Well, it was just kind of odd to see Jet not really gel with. I mean, it, it was definitely a really difficult track. Don't get me wrong, but it you know it, it seems to me that that he should have been a little bit better in that situation. Um, I guess that's the first time he's ever raced a mud race on a 450. So maybe I'm maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, um, but. Uh, with Hunter, it was good to just see him bounce back and and just have a just get in the main, ride all the laps. That was awesome to uh, to uh, to see from him. I mean, that was just a really tough break with the first turn crash in Anaheim one, and then excuse me, and then the LCQ not going his way because he he got the bad jump off the gate, and so it was really good to see him get in there and AC. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for a little more out of AC this year, but at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of good guys in this class. I, I, I was He started out the year with a 12-8 finishes. Um, he started up front in the main last night in San Francisco, but then just kind of went backwards. I guess it was just really a tough track, and, I mean, everybody had to face a lot of adversity with, with the track conditions. So um, maybe we'll just have to wait and see what happens in San Diego. Maybe we can – Maybe these guys can make a little bit of improvement there. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you have to sort of get five, six, seven rounds in to sort of get a nice picture of all the contenders and who's got the staying power. But at the moment, obviously, Sexton's ahead 45, and then Lawrence 38, Tomac 35 with Plessinger there too, and then Ferrandis in fifth, and then Anderson, Roxon, Webb, Prado, AC in 10th, and then obviously McElrath and Barsha, and even Derek Drake. Deserves a lot of praise for what he's done to start the year, but under the radar, obviously not one of those heavy hitters, but really impressive efforts on the 450 Supercross for him, mate. And I guess as you go down the list, was there anything else in the 450 class you'd like to touch on? Obviously not ideal nights for Webb and Anderson, Christian Craig getting a 14th, you know, Dean Wilson 16th, all these guys facing a lot of issues. And yeah, once you get those bad starts, it's just so hard and all the goggle issues and all the bike issues that come with it. So, and even Malcolm Stewart, sad to see him, you know, get last in that one, obviously another rough night to start the year. So obviously he's one of the guys by the numbers you're a big fan of. So any of those guys you'd like to touch on? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really looking for, for a guy like Cooper Webb to bounce back in San Diego. Um, he was, he was fighting for the podium in Anaheim one ended up sixth after the fall over that little hip jump. Uh, last night had some ha- had some troubles in the mud. Got ended up eleventh. Uh, like you touched on, Malcolm, just a couple of couple of just bad races to start the year. And I mean, he's really put himself behind, especially not scoring a point last night. I mean, he's he's really kind of putting himself behind the eight ball on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, really, 
those guys, I mean, it's been really nice to see, like you said, Derek Drake make both main events, get a 15th and a 13th, just kind of flying underneath the radar, but just putting in, putting in the work, you know, putting in the, just, just being steady and consistent. Um, one guy that I'd like to know what, what happened is Justin Hill and, and why he didn't, uh, he was there and he logged a lap time. So I'm just not sure why he didn't qualify. Uh, I was kind of digging around this morning, trying to find, trying to find any kind of rhyme or reason as to why he didn't qualify, but I couldn't find anything. Um, it was nice to see Austin Politelli make the main, uh, a nice solid 12th place finish, uh, mm. last night. Um, yeah, I mean, just gonna hope everybody resets and, oh, and then Justin Rodbell made the main and got an 11th. That was awesome to see too. Um, he was he was hurt quite a bit last year, so it's nice to see him bounce back and and get in the main. So yeah, I just have to see see what these guys can see how they can recover during the week and come back strong in San Diego. Yeah, it's massive achievement for a lot of those privateer style guys, like you were saying, because it's not like the field's sort of decimated at the moment. It's completely stacked. You got pretty much factory riders up to 15. So, you know, that's career achievement highlight sort of stuff for a lot of those guys, and they deserve all the coverage they get following it. And I guess looking onto the 250 class, mate, obviously so many young stars on show probably haven't been exposed to those crazy conditions with the slop and the rain, especially in racing situations at this elite level. So it's definitely chaotic and treacherous and bikes expiring and overheating, a lot of clutch problems, as JT was saying. You can just smell burnt clutch a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So much happening. But yeah, Smith got the job done, didn't he, mate? Got the great starts, like we were saying, put himself in the position I believe they were saying claimed his first win since 2018 and the first time he's had the red plate since 2017. So a lot of credit for him managing the race really superbly. And just, he looked really balanced, fast, up on the pegs and navigating all the sections well, taking nice lines. So I guess that's another big confidence and momentum boost. And I guess he'll feel his time is now to go ahead and win that title. Yeah. His problem throughout his career has always just been his his consistency. Uh, just random falls and and things of that nature. So it's good to see him. You know his 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 average starting position so far this year is third. He's got a second at Anaheim, one a first in in San Francisco. Like you said, it's the first time he's had the red plate since 2017. Uh, just just really nice to see him having that run of consistency that he's never been able to find. Like when you go back, oh, I don't have it in front of me. But like I said, it's just really nice to see him have that consistency and 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 really move forward. Hopefully he can he can keep that consistency up so that way we can have a great title battle between him and RJ. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be pretty cool. Another guy that was absolutely flying was Kitchen, just carving through there. He's looking really fast. Almost got Smith at the end. If they had one more lap, he probably would have got the win, mate. But yeah, he was excellent in those conditions. And I guess he's vindicated his decision going to that pro circuit Kawasaki team where he's got the program that he wants. I guess a little bit more freedom and flexibility. So what were your thoughts on Kitchen's ride? It was definitely impressive. Well, yeah, I mean, Kitchen had the fastest lap time of the main event. He was a half a second faster than Jordan. Um, so he really, he was really, he had his ups and his downs, you know, he, he, he had his troubles, but he was, he was flying and he almost had him there at the end. Um, they almost missed just how close he was until JT brought it up at the end. Um, Cause I, I mean, they were, they were tired and tired right there at the end. And I mean, he had the fastest time in segment four. Jordan Smith actually had the fastest times in segment segments one, two, and three, but still, but but still somehow had his fastest lap time a half a second slower than Levi. So I'm not sure. Must have had a rough uh, segment four. 
but yeah, Levi was riding really, really good. It was good to see him have that strong finish to that race and, and, and get up there on the podium. Yeah, for sure. And obviously March Banks and Nicoletti, awesome night for the Club MX guys after that rough one in A1, especially with Phil's bike, but March Banks had a solid night. But yeah, that was so cool. It would have been amazing for Phil to get on the podium. You listen to him speak afterward, he was clearly so gutted, but also so happy for Garrett and the team. But, you know, with five minutes left, he was second. And I think he had an 18-second gap with just two minutes to go over Garrett. And I think it was Cole Thompson went down ahead of him and he couldn't go anywhere. So he was just waiting for him to pick the bike up. So that was probably the difference between a podium and not. So, yeah, awesome night for the team. And just Garrett and Phil putting the team in the spotlight, mate. So cool to see those guys having a great night. Yeah, I was pretty gutted for for the old man, Phil, that he couldn't, couldn't uh, get that podium done last night. But, I mean, Garrett... Garrett has really been looking good this year. Um, he started off with a seventh at A1 and then now a third. That's his first podium since, I believe, Orlando in 2021. Uh, so it's really good for him to for, for him to get that little bit of success and 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 kind of like uh Jordan, just find that consistency and start building on that and 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 try and you know just try and build on that as the season goes and try and get a little bit better and a little bit better and find some consistency. Yeah, that was it. That's the consistency is the key. And obviously, before we touch on a couple other guys, obviously, RJ Hampshire salvaged a nice place, finished just when things were looking so good. Obviously, I think Bourdon went down in front of him and he had to sort of take some evasive action and that cost him a heap of time. The bike was buried on a jump face there. So he'd be frustrated, but to get back for a ninth is pretty solid. Obviously, a lot of the signs were heading towards it. He'd be right up there, obviously, topping the qualifying sheets. So he was looking good, wasn't he, mate? But yeah, frustrating and sort of tough day for him to leave there with. But I guess better than nothing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was just pretty, pretty shocked looking over the sheets that RJ's fastest lap time was 4.8 seconds slower than Jordan. Um, yeah. So that was obviously due to the to the adversity that he faced with going down with Bourdon and 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 just kind of being stuck stuck back there a ways and trying to fight his way through the pack. Um, it's a lot easier to go fast when you're out front and you don't have anybody in your way, <laughs> you know? So I'd really like to see him bounce back strong at, uh, at San Diego. So that way we can get a, a good title fight going. I mean, you know, he, he won the first round, got a ninth, his start, his first lap position at a one was second and fifth at San Francisco. So he's got his starts down. Um, let's just hope that, that RJ can, can keep his head on straight and, and we'll have a good title fight. Absolutely. Yeah, RJ's definitely looks like it's his year as well. He'll be feeling it's his year. Lawrence Brothers vacated both the classes in Supercross for 250. So he's sort of primed to shine. And before we touch on some other guys, Shimoda's, you know, night was disastrous, wasn't it, mate? Obviously not finishing there. The bike, yeah, let go on him after an early crash. And yeah, that had really put a dampener on him after A1 where he felt he could have done better as well. He's always got the speed. He's got the skill. He's got the talent. Obviously, sort of people have knocked him for coming good later in series when there's not so much jeopardy. So this won't help that. But yeah, I guess put that one in the books and forget about it as quickly as possible for Joe. Well, yeah, and it, and it just really, really kind of stinks for him that that now after a 22nd last night and no points, it looks like he's 29 points down off of Jordan. Um, that's that's pretty hard to to come back from in a in a short series like that. Um, it it looks to me like. Like he, he's getting some decent, some he's getting decent starts, uh, decent for Joe. Uh, he's still coming through mid pack, but that's better than than some starts we've seen. Um, it just he just got to put himself in better positions. I mean, 
in A1, he came across the, the, the first lap in 10th. And then that resulted in a fourth. So if he can move that that first lap position up to even a fifth or a sixth, you know, that, that that'll go a long ways towards getting him further up the field at the end of the race. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy, obviously, that we will touch on quickly is obviously yeah, De Francesco. De Francesco looked excellent and so did Boland, but obviously the main events fell away for them for various reasons. But yeah, Ryder D in that heat race was absolutely exceptional, wasn't he, mate? So, and another guy, obviously, Nate Thrasher went through that LCQ and he was riding really well. I think he was last, got all the way back to 10th. And then I think probably the bike let go, like you might've been saying there. So he ended up in 18th, but yeah, he was flying and just so many things, tough things to manage, but some of those factory guys not having ideal nights definitely let some of the other guys in, didn't it? Well, yeah, and it's, it just kind of kind of went to show who was actually taking care of their bikes. Like Ricky was saying over and over and over again, you got to stay off the clutch. You got to stay off the clutch. And, and some of those guys just refused to do it. I mean, like Max went out pretty early as well, just like Joe and a couple other guys. They're just, they were just trying to bonsai through the mud and, and trying to make up time early and, and, that's going to have a, a a very negative effect on your motorcycle. It's, you know, you, you got to be mindful of, of, of the motorcycle and, and what you're putting it through to try and get to the end of a race like that. Yeah. It's just so many things to manage. And, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, they probably get focused in on just concentrating so much because it's obviously a physical battle. Obviously the heart rates aren't as high, but just the sheer concentration of trying to get through a race and not falling over and keeping the speed up to get that back tire declogged a bit is just a lot going on especially for some of those younger guys and the privateers so to deal with everything and get any sort of results so impressive these guys deserve a lot of respect from the fans and everyone associated with but yeah so you look at you know you go down the list and you've got mumford fifth bordon frenchman six that's such a good result varese seventh hunter yoda eighth and then we obviously said hampshire ninth oldenburg tenth juju in eleventh sanford that's such a good ride twelfth Matty Jorgensen, 13th, obviously a great young rider, did a podcast with him last year. And yeah, there's so many cool guys that sort of get a chance to get those career best finishes in those. So any of those guys sort of take the eye statistically or just by the eye watching them race as well? Well, I was really, really happy to see Bordon up there. Um, that's a great a, a great result for him. That's two mains so far in the year. He made both of them, an 11th and a 6th. That's that, that's not disgracing himself in in any way, shape or form. Um, it, you know, at a one, he started 12th and finished 11th, um, at San Francisco, he started third and finished sixth. So he's, he, he seems to be finishing up right around where he starts. So he seems like maybe he's a little bit more of a start dependent rider and, and maybe just needs to focus on that. But it, that was awesome. Awesome to see him up there. And then Matty Jorgensen, like you said, getting that 13th, that was awesome. He actually started right where he finished. Yeah. And then. Let's see, Carson Mumford, that was a great result for him, getting that fifth place. Probably could have um, got the podium without the spill, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was riding really, really well. Yeah, and then uh, Jerron Stapleton, that was good to see yeah. him make it in the main and get that 16th. That was a great finish. Uh, Slade Barola with a 14th. You know, there's, those mud races can really, really throw some weird results at you. But like you said earlier, it also provides an opportunity for these guys to get their best ever finishes. And that's, and that's what some of these guys are doing. Like uh, Max Sanford, like you said, of that 12th place. Yeah, it was an awesome night of racing. Obviously not that fun for the riders. And you definitely feel for the team members washing bikes and cleaning up and packing everything up. And it's certainly even more to go once they get back to the workshops or the next race. So just be pretty happy to get out of that one. Everyone sort of relatively unscathed, didn't hear too many injuries, but 
I guess looking at the 250 title standings, mate, Jordan Smith on top, 47. Kitchen, five points back on 42. Hampshire, 38. And then Marchbanks is in fourth, mate, on 35. And then there's some pretty cool guys in there, like you were saying, Mumford, fifth. Bourdon, sixth. Juju, seventh. Oldenburg, eighth. Yoda, ninth. Breeze, tenth. And then... Head of guys like Boland, Nicoletti, Shimoda, Cole Thompson, Ryder D. So it's definitely a mixed bag in the 250 class. It's always so unpredictable, even more so this year without Lawrence Brothers. It kind of feels like every weekend we could have a different winner or a different guy on the podium. So just any your takeaways from that before we wrap this one up? Well, yeah, I think it's it's really cool to see the top three up there, Levi uh, sitting there in second. Um, I think as long as he can, he can well, I, I mean, just like Jordan Smith and RJ. Just need to find that consistency. Um, it's great to see Marchbanks, you know, not that far behind Carson Mumford. I mean, those guys really, if they can find that that consistency and those good starts, you know, they these guys can really can really have a good result at the end of this series. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's been awesome to have a chat to you, do this sort of reaction pod with some stats to sort of go a bit deeper on it because the fans really love all the work you do and so do we. We definitely appreciate it and so grateful for it. So I guess any final thoughts from the weekend? What sort of stats, sort of pieces have you got in the works, mate? And there's just so many exciting things on the horizon in 2024 with the MXGP coming up quickly as well. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm going to try to sit down this afternoon and write a preview for San Diego. I've got the all the results, I think back to 2007, marked down um, for San Diego. So I'm going to try and sit down and, and, and get something like, or get something done for that. Um, and then, yeah, here pretty quick, I'm going to have to start banging out, banging out uh, the new sheets for MXGP. And then, then the Australian Supercross and the Australian Outdoors. And it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely got a full plate. That's for sure. Oh, mate, you're a machine. Definitely mad respect for all you're doing. It's, really cool and it's like just giving the fans just some extra insight and some extra sort of layer of understanding the amount of times on the podcast with jt and rest they all say that's so cool just to have those numbers and yeah you're impressive mate how you keep track of it all obviously you work a full-time job that's extremely busy as well so it's awesome to see you shining mate on the platform and just making great strides in the industry too so yeah before we let you go we'll thank the sponsors again in fly racing monster energy fox parts europe scott Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, Whole Shop Motorhomes, and Even Strokes for all that incredible support. As without them, none of us would be possible. All right, thanks again, Paul. It's been a ripper chat to wrap up San Francisco and talk all things stats. So, yeah, have a great weekend, the rest of it, and we'll look forward to speaking on the next one. Awesome. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Have a good one.